Hi, Jeremy here from Eureka Podcast. I have a few things I'd like to clear up, a small list, actually. I, one, I do not listen to I Doubt It with Dollamore. Uh, number two, I have never listened to I Doubt It with Dollamore. Number three, I'm really sick and tired of these allegations from people saying I listen to I Doubt It with Dollamore. And four, this is the final one. Listen clearly. I certainly do not donate to the Patreon page monthly for I Doubt It with Dollamore. That would be funding the competition. What am I, a moron? The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right, welcome to the show, everybody. Episode 380 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, as always, Jesse Dollamore. And seated across from me, the lovely, the talented, the troublemaking, Brittany Page. Yeah, I'm back up to my old tricks. <laughs> you are. You're a maniac. I'm not a maniac. I am excited. No, I, well, no I'm teasing. Mm-hmm. Of course, you're not a maniac. I don't even think you're in the wrong. Very rarely, actually, do I think you're in the wrong. Mm, I mean, I'm wrong quite a bit because I have a dumb laid brain. Well, no, I mean, oh, that's for sure. You definitely, yeah. definitely have a dumb laid brain yes um what i'm talking about specifically is the facebook yeah we all know that was a joke by the way so don't write me and um compliment me um i i mean write me and compliment me but not about that um (laughs) um yeah i i've had a couple of good days on facebook on the facebook Yeah, yeah with some good mixing it up But one in particular was pretty interesting to me because I shared this article and the title is Why I'm Teaching My Daughters to Be Rude. Right. Provocative title. Provocative title. Making you click it like, oh, who's this lady trying to make her kids rude? Yeah. Well, the subtitle is I want to teach my girls that sometimes it's better to be impolite. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I was really struck by many of the negative comments of people reacting to the word rude. Um, (laughs) I started to get this vibe of a little lady being rude. No, that is unacceptable. Give, give kind of, that was my attempt at an English accent. Was that it? Well, I can't do it unless it's Harry Potter. Jonathan in the UK, even Wayne in the UK (laughs) is probably very disappointed right now. I'm, I'm sure. So give kind of a rundown of the the happenstance of why the article got written in the first place. Okay, well, let me read a couple of parts from it that I liked. Because yeah, I, sure. I don't think the article was flawless, that everything in the article I read and was having an intense emotional reaction to, but there were certain things that I really liked. So, um, quote, I would no longer teach them that they owe anyone smiles or gratitude for being noticed. I would no longer train them to weaken their boundaries for the sake of being polite. It's all but certain that in the next decade, someone will demand from them a smile, an answer, an expression of gratitude, and they'll see how quickly an unacknowledged compliment can lead to a threat. I want to teach my daughters that they are entitled to silence, but I also want to teach them that sometimes it's okay to snarl back. 
One day I will tell them about how I responded as a teenager, flipped off men, pushed my knees back against those subway manspreaders. I want my girls to feel entitled to their space and their body as those who demand their attention do. For now, though, I can stand between them and whomever, whomever and change the subject. I can tell people to stop talking to my children. I can smile when I do this. I can get angry on their behalf. I'm sure that we come off as rude, but I want to teach my girls that sometimes it's better to be impolite, that they matter, to not live in fear, even as I know that fear is inevitable, that one day they will be catcalled or followed or touched in ways that they never asked for or signaled for, that no matter what I teach them, it is sure to happen as it happens to every single woman just for existing in public. Whatever I teach them, no matter how much practice they get in claiming their own space, they will learn on their own that sometimes what's luckiest of all is to be ignored. Yeah, I don't see anything wrong with that. Yeah, so I, I selected that part of it and shared it. And some of the reactions were that this woman is damaging her children because this isn't proper self-defense. Well, wait, doesn't she kind of explained a situation where they're walking through the neighborhood and there's an old man who creepily or not creepily starts telling the girls how beautiful they are, these young girls. Mm -hmm. And when they don't respond, he starts chastising them. Excuse me. I am I explaining it right? Yeah, he's he's you know, cat got your tongue, you don't want to say hello, you know, the mom comes up and basically is is there a problem here? And I'm a nice old man, I promise. He's talking about how they're beauties and they're not speaking to him and he doesn't understand why these little girls aren't speaking to him and they're seven and four years old. They have no obligation. He's a stranger. Yeah, he's a stranger and they have been taught not to talk to strangers like most children are. And, and should be. Yeah, and I, uh, this struck me as creepy too. And there were people that commented and said, you know, this reminds, my dad is someone who would just, you know, strike up conversation with a kid. And I'm sure that's perfectly fine. And he's a great guy who loves kids and would never harm anyone. But there's also creepy creepers well, who well, let me say this about are that. chatting up the children. Yeah, if if your, your dad or your uncle or whomever would strike up a conversation with little girls and tell them how beautiful they are and then received the the vibe that mm, they're not into it. They're afraid. They're cautious. They're standoffish. You don't then lean in and double down and say, excuse me, Cat why, got your tongue. <laughs> why are you not responding to my gracious compliments? Right. You back off because they're kids right. and there's a lot going on there. Right. So my my concern here about this whole polite thing is, one, we got to kind of define or rudeness is what is rude? And, and then also, if you... Impoliteness should be met with impoliteness oftentimes. Mm -hmm. and In adulthood, it is. For sure. And it, sometimes it should be. I mean, sometimes, you know, it it it, it, uh, it works to to answer impoliteness with politeness to, you know, like, uh, what's the phrase? Kill him with kindness kind of a thing. Yeah, and I'm, we're not just talking about someone being short with you in public or something like that. Or the cashier right. is, you know, tossing your broccoli in a way that makes you upset or something yeah, minor yeah, yeah. like that. We're talking about harassment, someone making you physically feel uncomfortable. Yes. That kind of thing. My point is, is that sometimes someone can act impolitely in a very polite way. And I think this old man, this case mm -hmm. that made these girls feel uncomfortable and the mom, mm -hmm. he was acting politely in an impolite manner. Hmm. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
And I think we've talked about this in the past with kids that, uh, you know, if, if your kid doesn't want to hug grandpa or yeah. Uncle Joe or whomever, yeah. don't force their fucking hand. Don't make them hug someone that they don't want to hug Yeah, because there are Larry Nassers in the world. There right. are dangerous predators who live among us, even in our families. Yeah. And that was that was what struck me about this article, because... When you heard those girls talk in that trial, many of them talked about things like, well, he was a doctor or, well, he he was respected by everyone. Everyone talked highly of him. And so they started questioning their own interactions with him. They felt like trust was to be given to him based on his authority, based on his education, based on his job title, based on everyone having respect for him. And so that interfered with, it seems to me, their ability to recognize what was right about what they were feeling, Mm -hmm. that they weren't crazy, that there was something wrong with this man, that everyone was wrong, that even though he was a doctor... And in a position of power and authority over them. Right. Um, Right. But... You know, a little rudeness would have gone a long way. Maybe maybe a hundred plus girls wouldn't have been physically abused for years had one of them been taught to be a little fucking rude. Oh. (laughs) And that's that's the thing, too, is she nowhere in this article is saying that she wants the girls to be walking around mean mugging everybody when they look at them wrong. They're like, hey, what are you looking at? (laughs) You know, you just looked at me wrong, bro. Come at me, bro. You know, they're not they're not walking around doing uh, that. It turns um, into a volatile, possibly violent situation everywhere. Yeah, that's not what I got from it. I got from it that we, there's these societal expectations of girls and women. Yeah. And that is that you sit there and you smile and you don't chew on your crunchy chips and you respond. Your crunchy chips. You respond favorably (laughs) when someone compliments you or makes an inappropriate joke and you just keep your head down and you take it. And some people consider it rude to not follow that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to do that, you know. And I I was also struck because my experience... And everyone has their own experience. Well, this is mine. (laughs) Uh, I told you about this, that I remember starting to get male attention from adult men when I was 13. And I used to wear this favorite shirt that I had. It tied, it showed my stomach and it tied around my rib cage. You were a little girl. Yeah, it had little fluffy sleeves and I was 13. And I, I would wear it everywhere. It was my favorite shirt. And... I would start noticing that I was getting attention at the grocery store. And my mom started noticing. grown men. Yeah, my mom started noticing too. And I thought about Natalie Portman, who just gave a speech at the Women's March and said that she opened her first piece of fan mail at 13. And it was a rape fantasy from an adult male. Ah. And the things that girls face from a very young age, I don't think it's bad telling them if a guy is talking to you and you're not interested, even if it's an old man who seems nice at the park, you don't owe him your time and attention. Yeah. You cannot respond to him. Yeah. You can tell him to leave you alone. You can say no. And the old man might react and be like, huh, these girls are rude. Well, whatever. Well, I don't care. That's, I think, the hang up here. And that was the consternation 
primarily, I think, on on the thread was that hung up on the word rude. Right. It seems assertive to me. That doesn't seem rude. Yeah, I think society puts that label on those it's behaviors. like bossy. Like bossy. Yeah. Yeah, where if a woman is assertive at work, she's a bitch. She's a bossy bitch. Yeah. Uh, no, Rather she's than, acting, wow, she's taking care of biz. Yeah, she's acting like a man at work, right. but you're uncomfortable with that. But she's acting like a person at work who is traditionally not, not, it's not a negative thing for a man to be, look, l- let me explain the meeting rudeness with rudeness thing. This happened the other day. Mm. Drew and I, in the course of setting up Statesmith, went out and bought a couple computers and I went back to get my computer for video editing mm-hmm. and we had already gone previously, and the first time we went, it seemed a little expensive to me. So I, I said, nah, I've talked to some people, and they said, eh, it's a, maybe a little expensive. And you were working with a salesperson. That's right. And you told the, that to the salesperson. Yeah, I am, that's a key part of the story. What, are you telling stories like me? I know. So he, he, the guy was a little little smug. Little, he's like a little nerd guy who's, oh, okay. <laughs> he knows more, whatever. So we ended up going back, and the deal was okay. So we got the computer. We walk mm-hmm. in, mm-hmm. <laughs> and Drew goes, hey, do you remember us? And the guy says, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember you guys. He goes, oh, well, we've come to get that one machine. Mm-hmm. And he starts laughing mm-hmm. in this dickish kind of, uh, this is the way I perceived it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, I fucking told you guys you'd be back. He didn't say that. Mm-hmm. But that's what I got from him. So I wasn't polite or I didn't just let him be that way. I said, huh, that's funny, huh? That's a funny thing to you. <laughs> and uh, he goes, oh, uh, uh, y- yeah, uh, let me let me go get it for you. Mm-hmm. And then he let us over. Mm-hmm. So what I mean by meeting rudeness, rudeness, I sensed him being aggressive. Yeah. And I, why do I have an obligation to just sit there and take it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> why should a six or seven or a four-year-old girl sit there and take rudeness, impoliteness, and just, oh, it's an old man. Yeah. I also had someone make the point that it's so much- Even if he's not a molester. Sorry. Go ahead. I also had someone make the point that it's so much stronger for someone to be to maintain their poise- or class in yeah. the face of whatever it is that we're talking about here. And my response to that was that they are free to make a virtue out of kindness in the face of harassment or mistreatment in public, but that I would never expect that of the women in my life. Yeah. If a, if one of my friends came to me and they said someone was um, touching me on the subway or saying inappropriate things to me and I told him, hey, go fuck yourself. I wouldn't be like, oh, excuse me, you were not poised in that situation. I'm going to need right. you. That was really rude. And I'm going to need you to step it back with the rudeness. You needed to dial up the poise. Yeah, I understand. And dial back the... Being kind is important. Okay. Adding <laughs> adding to the overall kindness that exists in society is important. That is very important. But there's there's a line somewhere. And I think it's important that we talk about that line of... And also, the line needs to be the same for little boys and little girls. Yes. It, it's the same thing with the little... More importantly, that. It's the same thing with the the girls and cussing. How people react as though girls cussing is yeah, more yeah. negative than boys cussing. And no, the line is the same. So if it's not negative for boys to cuss or assert themselves, then it's not negative for girls to do that either. Yeah, yeah. And I think what happened here was the use of the word rude and people were responding to it 
looking at these pictures of the little girls that popped up with the link thinking, oh, little girls being rude? No, <laughs> we can't have this in society. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. It's not that bad to me. So Me either. We'd love to know what you guys think. <laughs> Before we get to the voicemail, so drop the phone number, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Speaking of voicemails, let's get to one straight away. Hi, Jesse. Hi, Brittany. This is Eric again from the Midwest. Uh, this is in regards to when the Dow kind of took that plunge in the this week. Uh, what was explained to me is, especially with these new tax cuts, is that if you remember, there's a video of this is named Mark Cohn where he asked the CEOs who will reinvest with the new tax cuts coming up. Then, like three people raised their hand out of a hundred. Um, yeah, they don't really, really reinvest in the company. Uh, you kind of remember those joke uh, things that they were saying, like Walmart was going to give raises and it only affected like people that have been there for 20 years. What they really do with the tax cut money is that they buy their stocks back. So they're probably getting prices that some people couldn't refuse, so they were buying the stock. So <clears throat> there was a big sell-off because of the upcoming stocks, so these companies could rebuy their stock options back, which looks good for them and the CEOs. Uh, so that's probably what was the big plunge. That's what was explained to me. So uh, that's my two cents, and I uh, hope it makes some sense. Talk to you later. Bye. That could be one variable for sure. Uh, the other, thank you. Eric, for the call. Uh, the, the other variable that I've heard, and look, I'm no financial wizard uh, at all in this area. I lack, this is probably the one one facet that, not one, it's just one of many that you guys get kind of screwed over on from commentary standpoint because I don't know much about financial shit. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I thought that Bell was a replacement. Well, and it's a reminder now. It's like a Pavlov's dog. I don't think... That you're... Let me do my thing, even if it's wrong. All right. <laughs> the other thing that I heard that could have been is the fact that they got the tax cut. Some of these companies um, chose to do what Eric was talking about. But then also, because wages are rising, because unemployment is low, there are, there are a, a, a lot of jobs that need to be filled and companies have to be more competitive. Therefore, wages rise. And because wages have, has risen, um, it is a, a bummer for companies. They have to put out more and then that is not good for the stock market. Mm -hmm. So that could be some of it too. But there are it's like witch doctory. You got to kind of look at the tea leaves at the bottom of the glass, which mm. isn't witch doctory, but... To, to really figure out what's going on because there's so many moving parts. Yeah. Maybe that's why I don't like it. You know, this would be a good time for the why are you subjecting me to this drop? You, well, we haven't... So, why are you subjecting me to this? We we didn't explain what that is. Oh, well, that's a failure on our part. So <laughs> um, I want this drop to be a thing, so we have to explain it. <laughs> That woman that you heard, why are you subjecting me to this? She's an attorney. I forgot her name. I think Elizabeth. She's a Trumper. Elizabeth something. Elizabeth Beck. Elizabeth Beck. And she was on a panel. There were like four people on the screen on with CNN, Brooke Baldwin. With Brooke Baldwin, yeah. And they were talking about something. And 
another panelist was speaking. Walter Schaub, Obama's ethics czar. And while he was speaking, she just randomly had enough. ...position uh, long enough to enforce that ban. Uh, so, Why are you subjecting me to this? So, I'm sorry? Sorry I, 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 sorry, I just heard a voice in my ear. <laughs> I did too. Whose voice was that? Was that um, you, Elizabeth? No. Okay. 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 Let, let, let's. Sorry. I don't know what's going. On. Keep going, yeah. Walter. Go ahead. So you know, there's a lot of pieces floating around in there. Not all of them are conclusive. Some of them. So after that happened, she she looked like she was upset. So Why are you subjecting me to this? Maybe being tortured under. <laughs> the- well, it looked like she was like trying very distressed, like maybe trying to take her mic off or something. Yeah, she was looking off to the side like she was speaking to someone else. I yeah, don't know yeah. what happened, but either way, after she said it, she her window disappeared. And she, she wanted out of there, yeah. Yeah, she was gone. And then she went on Twitter and started tweeting about how, why isn't CNN covering the Las Vegas shooting? Uranium One, a bunch of stuff. Yeah, so I don't know what her purpose was on the panel, but... So Brittany likes this drop. So, why are you subjecting me to this? Speaking of liking drops, we had a request from a listener... Yeah, we did. ...to introduce a drop from episode 376, mm-hmm. I believe. The Secret Society. <laughs> <laughs> There so we'll, we'll have to find a place for that as well. Yeah. So if you guys ever hear something that you want as a drop, just let us know. And, so amazing. And we'll make that happen for you. Yes. That's what we do. We are responsive. Yeah. On with the next voicemail. Yes. This is uh, Daniel from formerly Corpus Christi, now living in Austin. Um, I'm driving, so I, I hope this goes through pretty well. Um, but uh, I just want to touch topic on this, this parade thing. Oh, my God. Jesse and Brittany as well. I'm sorry. Um it's, that's just fucking ridiculous. I was a Marine. Um, just thank you, Jesse. So Semper Fi. Uh, I remember we had a commanding general inspection. Um, it wasn't even, it was like platoon-wise or, or maybe even company. Definitely wasn't battalion. Um, so it was small. Two weeks. Two whole weeks. We weren't allowed to sleep on our bed. It was the most meticulous thing I've ever done in my lifetime. Um, those people who have been in the military understand, military understand just how ridiculous it can be and how much work goes into something like that. Uh, and, and the fucking general comes and he's from Victoria, <laughs> which is right outside of Corpus Christi. So he doesn't inspect any of my stuff, but starts talking to me about high school football because fucking Texas, that's why. It's, Two weeks of some of the hardest, and, and not physically, just mentally, work I'd ever done in my life, getting ready for this, and he wants to talk about football. So, I can't explain, I couldn't even fathom how much energy, time, resources is going to go into something like this parade that they want, Trump wants to do, and, and how much is going to set back the training that we could be doing in the military. Um, this is not going to happen overnight. This is going to be, if it does, it's going to be expensive. And I don't know. I'm, I'm at a loss of words that this is even fucking happening for the life <laughs> of me. I cannot, never would I have thought that I would turn on the TV one day and see something like that happening in America. I, I'm at a loss of words. So um, I hope everyone is great. Um, love the show. 
I got to go with Jesse. Being the best part because, you know, we were both Marines. Y'all take care. Stay green, Marine. Yeah, I think it's something a little deeper is going on. Listen, and I think me, you should be self-reflective because you almost forgot I existed at the beginning let me, of the let me call. Say so this. how dare you, sir? L- let me say this, Daniel. <laughs> um, the last thing that you are, sir, is at a loss for words. <laughs> <laughs> oh. let, Who's let, your favorite now? Let, let me explain what Daniel's kind of talking about. In the military, well, in the Marine Corps, I can't speak for anything else because, after all, I don't know if anybody knows. Jesse was a Marine, I everybody. was in the Marine Corps. <laughs> um, they have these inspections, and sometimes they're larger because a higher-ranking individual is going to inspect you. And they come into your, your room, your dorm room, your, your, your barracks, and they inspect your little closet. Like, you have to get rid of all your personal clothes and put them somewhere and then stack all your clothes in there in a certain defined, like, your T-shirts have to be folded in precisely to the centimeter what are you doing what i'm just bored because i know all about this because it happened to me at my post academy (laughs) (laughs) i'm just kidding wow (laughs) so anyway like they they call them irish penance like if there's a little thread hanging off like it's a it it would be devastating to the inspection and they do they waste an inordinate amount of time on this kind of crap it's unbelievable crap huh so anyway, yeah, it doesn't rate the bell. <laughs> so what he's saying is if they're going to be doing this and they're going to be on display for the public, right. likely this kind of preparation would go into it and it's going to jack up the price of this stupid parade. Yeah, that's the strangest that thing. That they're talking that's about. the strangest thing because they're always talking about the homeless veterans. Yeah. And this is what Republicans talk about, right? Why are we helping other countries with their problems when we have homeless people here. Oh yeah, but you want a parade? You want to spend a bunch of right. money on a parade? I thought. Wait a minute, weren't you just concerned about all the homeless people? And the suicide, twenty-two, right? Yeah, all of that. Wasn't yeah. that your reason for not wanting to yeah. help other people? But now you don't want to help those people because you want to have a parade. I don't understand that logic. And then also the VA. yeah which is shouldn't you focus all of your attention on focus on fixing the problems with the va he's always talking about that right Right. there's so many other military issues since he's the most militaristic person oh yeah believe me (laughs) it seems like there are far that i can tell you (laughs) far more far more important things to talk about so or deal with since we're here i was going to save this for dollamocracy but since daniel brought it up thank you daniel for the call we appreciate it Let's talk about it a little bit. I have a clip uh, about the parade and um, Admiral Kirby, who was the State Department spokesman prior to that. He was the Pentagon spokesman. uh, He had some thoughts about it, too. President Trump's idea for a grand military parade marching down the streets of Washington, D.C. is now in the planning stages. Military officials now looking at dates and locations. One option on the table to hold a parade on Veterans Day in November. The idea was reportedly sparked when the president saw the Bastille Day parade in France. He went to it and he vowed to top it. Joining me now, CNN military and diplomatic analyst, uh, retired Admiral John Kirby. Thank you so much for being with us, Admiral. You don't like this idea. Why? <laughs> no, I don't, John. Uh, I think uh, I worry that it's really more uh, about honoring Donald Trump than it is honoring the troops. Uh, and that it's really about feeding his ego and his love of pomp and circumstance and, and, and being honored. Uh, the other thing that bothers me about it is that it's just antithetical to American military culture. Look, we're not against parades. Troops march in parades all over the country on Fourth of July. It's not about the parade itself. It's about 
going down Pennsylvania Avenue, allegedly, with tanks and missiles and that, and that kind of ostentatious military hardware display. It's just not something we do. We are the world's most powerful military in the world. We don't need to show the gear to do that. Uh, the last thing that bothers me about it, John, is the money. Now, I, and, so, and some people will say, well, gee, what's a few million dollars when your budget is, you know, $700 billion? It's still a few million dollars that we could be applying to other more important problems. Twenty-two veterans commit suicide every single day. We've got gold star families out there that need support. And to the degree there is a civil military gap in this country, John, that gap can be closed better by local outreach programs around the country than marching people down Pennsylvania Avenue. So that's, that's my beef with it. I agree. And there's other reasons. Mm-hmm. I mean, the parades, the, the entire intent of it would be, really is to show the world, they say. Mm-hmm. It's not just for Donald Trump to sit there and be getting off on the fact that he's the commander-in-chief of this mighty army. Mm-hmm. That was a joke. Of course, that's what it's about. But also, in his mind, it's to show the rest of the world that already knows the power and might and fearsomeness of our military. We spend, like Admiral Kirby just said, he said $700 billion. It's actually less. It's, it's roughly 600 but more more money, just us, than like the next eight nations, than Russia, than China, than France, China, than France, than Great Britain, Saudi Arabia, Israel, all of those nations, Japan, that all combined don't total what we spend ourselves. I did a video. I talked about the, the research and development. The R&D budget of the Pentagon is $63.5 billion dollars. The only countries that spend more for their entire defense budget than $65 billion is Russia and China. Mm-hmm. Everyone else spends less than our Pentagon spends just for R&D. Come on. Well, we don't need this. Yeah, he was getting ready to S his own D at the yeah, parade was. in France because he was so excited about what he was saying. He said, quote, it was one of the greatest parades I've ever seen. We're going to have to try and top it. So that's... <laughs> Even that, it's about beating them yeah, exactly. doing it. It's so embarrassing. Why don't we just put him in a room and give him some of those plastic army toys and a, a couple G.I. Joes and some tanks and he can sit there at in the Oval Office at his desk and have a little make-believe parade for himself. I say we buy him a fleshlight that's made out of a mold of his own mouth. That would be perfect because then he could... Suck his own, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's a great idea. I don't know why you're looking at me all perplexed <laughs> and grossed out. Yeah. Sometimes I I don't know what's happening. All right. I think we've got an email. Mm-hmm, we do. From a... Uh, from a real person. From a big fan. Yeah. Buddy Butts. Buddy Butts. Oh. So Bart Simpson is emailing us. Buckle up, everybody. <laughs> Here we go, Bart. Smart guy, buddy butts. I'm curious as to why you preach hate. Hang on. Before you get started, Mm -hmm. I want you to read it as written. I'm going to read it. Exactly as it's written. Yeah, I'm going. You mean like don't fix any of the errors? That's right. Yeah, here I go. (laughs) I I take the face meaning that's what you were going to do. Exactly. I'm no Trump fan. Uh oh. (laughs) Do you you guys think there's a butt coming? Um, I'm no Trump fan, but he was the lesser of two evils. Mm. I voted for Obama his forced term because of Bush Jr.'s stupidity. 
I didn't lie the way he was leading this country. And if the she bitch would have won it, would have been curtains for my beloved country, which I served. Why can't you Dems and the damn reps just quit being ignorant and put this nation back on top before the Dems make us another third world country? Dog whistle. If this nonsense keeps up, this country is doomed and doomed from the inside, and it will not be Trump's fault. Something government has BSed their way through the last 25 to 30 years. So stop the hate against the president. But then again, you can't because you're a Dem, always on the left and never in the middle. Sad, my friend, that you think so little of our country. Dot, 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 dot. Enjoy your evening. Dot, 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 ominous. I added ominous. <laughs> wow. Because all the dots are ominous. That's a smart guy. That's a guy who knows how to fix America. I don't think that... That is a man who knows that our country is in decline. Yeah, I don't that think... That we're not on top anymore. <laughs> that we spend almost $1 trillion on defense. More than any... I mean, I, everything I just said, but we're not on top. We're I, not the best. I don't think he wants you to enjoy your evening. That is all I have to say about that. Mm -hmm. Is that it, Brittany Page? Well, thank you, Buddy Butts. And I would say, Buddy Butts, that we... Um, well, Jesse, I don't think, preaches hate. He dislikes Donald Trump, yes. But, but I love my country. I and the reason I love my country and the reason I hate Donald Trump is because I love my country. Mm. Is because I respect the Constitution and the rule of law and the autonomy that our nation has and its sovereignty and our ability to have free and fair elections unimpeded by the likes of Vladimir Putin and the Russians. So, again, if you too would like to sound off, communicate with the show, get your feelings on the record, ask us a question, talk about any subject that we've talked about. Yeah. I also want to say that we read every single email message, direct message. We got a lot this week. Yeah. We, we always get a lot. And we try to do a balance of listener communication, news, catching up on things that we've talked about, moving on with subjects as well. So it's kind of this blend that we're always trying to find a balance. And if we don't read something that you wrote to us, uh, it doesn't mean that we didn't love it, that it wasn't awesome. We get beautiful, awesome things that we love all the time. And we read every single thing that you send to us. And we really appreciate everything that you choose to share with us. So even if it doesn't make it to the show, we still appreciate it. And we love you for supporting us and participating in the show. The other thing I uh, we didn't talk about last time, we got a gift from a listener. We did. Sent to the P.O. Box. Yeah. Um, and it was awesome little, apparently handmade, yeah. little Darwin pins mm -hmm. that say Evolve. Yep. And we just want to say Mark yep. in Illinois. Mark the mailman. Thank you, buddy. We, we got them and we love them and we will... Um, will prominently feature at least one of them here in the studio somewhere once we get this place kind of kind of sussed out. So mm -hmm. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and 
good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. Samuel. Samuel. He is a new Patreon supporter. Brand new Patreon supporter. And then we have some beautiful people who upped their pledge. Wow. Jason. Jason. And Casey. Casey. And then last week I announced a new Patreon supporter, Shara. That's right. And I noticed that the email that I got from Patreon only had her name, but on Patreon, she had another name. So I want to also recognize Michael. Shara and Michael. Yeah, because he was also on on the list there for supporting us on Patreon. Awesome. Can't forget that. That is right. All right. Well, let's move on. But before we do, I just want to announce that it is 9 p.m., here on the West Coast, and that means the government is officially shut down. Perfect. Once again, these dick fours can't get it together. Stalemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So, we've been talking about the conspiracy series... Conspiracy <laughs> series, the series of conspiracy theories. I mean, you're not wrong. That have been coming from the right to try to deflect from the investigation. Deflecting it up. The Mueller investigation into Russian collusion activities mm. of the Trump campaign. Now, obstruction of justice and maybe even financial crimes, money laundering. Perfect. Well, after the Nunes memo was batted down as ridiculous and stupid <laughs> and stupid, um, there was more this week about bombshell texts from the FBI that they're now uncovering that are also going to go nowhere. Bombshell or bunk? That's the question being asked about new FBI texts that were just released. Tonight, the answer, according to the latest reporting, seems to be bunk. This morning, the president tweeted in all caps, new FBI texts are bombshells. He was talking about texts between the by now familiar FBI pair Peter Strzok and Lisa Page. They were released as part of an interim report from Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, the senator who previously raised alarms about an alleged secret society within the FBI plotting against the president. The secret, secret society. society turned out to be something of a joke. According to Johnson's new report, Page texted Strzok on September 2nd of 2016 about preparing talking points for then-FBI Director James Comey because, quote, POTUS, meaning President Obama, wants to know everything we're doing. The senator's report alleges that the text, quote, raises additional questions about the type and extent of President Obama's personal involvement in the Clinton email scandal and the FBI investigation of it. Cue the conspiracy theories, cue the hyperbole, like the president calling it a bombshell. Keeping them honest, though, Johnson's report omits context that not only could provide an alternative explanation, a source familiar with the context says it, in fact, does exactly that. Three days after Lisa Page sent that text, President Obama confronted Russian President Vladimir Putin about his meddling in the election. That would be one explanation of why President Obama was so interested in what the FBI was investigating. And that's what associates of Strzok and Page have told The Wall Street Journal which puts Senator Johnson on familiar ground when he was sounding the alarm about that secret society. Johnson said on Fox News, what this is all about is further evidence of corruption more than bias. 
He then went on to say corruption of the highest levels of the, of the FBI, the secret society. We have an informant talking about a group that was holding secret meetings off site. The frenzy he whipped up lasted for a couple of days. Turned out, sources tell CNN, the full exchange had to do with a gag gift of Vladimir Putin themed calendars. It was basically a joke. The whole idea of an informant seemed to disappear from Senator Johnson's mouth. When that was finally disclosed, Senator Johnson's response, when asked if it could have all been a joke, said, quote, it's a real possibility. In other words, the senator's last claim was bunk, and his latest one might be as well. We should note we asked Senator Johnson, of course, to come on the broadcast. We never heard back. We never heard back. It is really just one thing after the other, after the other, after the other, in a frenzied attempt to distract from the legitimacy, which means to me it signals that they're on to something. This thing's coming to an end, and they are rapidly trying to discredit it because it's it's not looking good. I mean, I don't know about that because this just seems to be how they operate on a continuous basis. So Sean, this is Sean Hannity's show every night. Yeah, yeah. Which I don't understand because how do his viewers, you know, he ends the show with more coming at you tomorrow night. Okay, guys, we got more bombshells. Every day's a bombshell. You know, we'll deal with this tomorrow night. What a very stressful way to live well, day to day. Aren't they asking themselves like, Wow, we've had all of these series of crazy bombshells that are going to be bigger than Watergate. A thousand times bigger than Watergate, they said. Literally, that's the number they used. Watergate times a thousand that didn't go anywhere. And then this week, they're on to another thing. Well, what about Watergate times a thousand? Why are we? Is this one (laughs) Watergate times 10,000? Because why are we moving on from something that should have been rocking the world with its level of, of, of. sinisterness well i also wonder if sean hannity viewers if you were to ask them can you explain to me just the basic bullet points associated with what is going on in the fbi can you can you explain it to me you know what they'd answer (laughs) we got some hillary bitches on here come on baby it still makes me laugh when she does that donald trump wanted a fire the special counsel. Yeah, I no, I I'm genuinely I would be interested to to know if how they many could give you the play by play. Yeah, how many could do that? Because I'm not sure that his show is anything other than dramatic spectacle, and yeah. I'm not sure he's actually giving people information or the resources to even understand the conspiracy theories. Well, for months that he it, for is mo- telling them. for months they would run with the with the Chiron the real. Russia investigation. Right. And I <laughs> I get irritated with CNN because every seven minutes after the commercial break or however long it is, they come back on and say breaking news yeah. every time. And I'm like, it's not it's not breaking news. Yeah. <laughs> I've been watching. You're not saying anything new. That's I heard right. about this 10 hours ago. It's not breaking news. Stop saying that when you come back just to engage me. It is a bummer. It it doesn't work anymore. Listen, so now when there is breaking news, I'm going to be like, all right, whatever, Don Lemon. Right. It's like crying wolf. Yeah. <laughs> for for, for ye- And I'm not kidding about this. This is back when I was a Republican, watched Fox News religiously mm-hmm. for years after 9-11. I lived in Washington, D.C. during 9-11. Uh, not that I have any more, you know, claim to to the the trauma of it, um, but I was there in the thick of things in Washington and always kind of been political and everything. Um, it was, I don't want to say trauma inducing, but it was alarming. All every time the Fox News, you know, 
dun, dun, dun. Right. Would happen. I'd be, oh shit, what's, uh, what's going on? I got to get over there. I got to, I got to see what's happening. Yeah. And it would be nothing. Right. So it's it's definitely a problem of cable news. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> let's a little funny thing. Maybe not funny. Don <laughs> Don Don Jr. Donald Trump Jr. Ugh. The greasy mess. Chenless wonder. Don Jr. You know, someone needs to tell these kids that they just because they have a family member doesn't mean that they need to constantly defend them. It is okay to admit that maybe your dad isn't a good person. It's really okay. Or just ignore it. it. It's perfectly fine. You will survive. He said that there's no way that his dad can be racist because he has pictures with all the rappers. You, you mentioned the president's comments about race. Uh, one of his sons, Don Jr., did this interview with the Daily Caller where he was asked, and uh, in, in just quoting the interviewer, saying that the, the left's efforts to frame his dad and support anyone who supports his dad as a hater, as a racist, right? This was, she was asking about this. This was Don Jr.'s response, Congressman. It's been terrible to watch because I know him. Uh, I've seen him my whole life. I've seen the things he's done. You know, it's amazing. All the rappers, all the this, all his African-American friends, from Jesse Jackson to Al Sharpton. You know, I have pictures with them the whole life. We say, hi, I've always been friends. You know, it was only till he got into politics that all of a sudden, oh, he's the most terrible human being. <laughs> so his dad has black friends. I mean, would no. you like to respond to that, Congressman? Yeah, his dad is what he says he is. Listen to his statements. Who do you believe... Uh, Donald Trump Jr. or your lying ears. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, you know, Donald Trump Jr. makes a great point because I also I've seen footage, actually, of Donald Trump pointing out um, a black man in, in his crowd and saying, hey, there's my African-American over there. He recognized him. That's right. There's oh, my African-American. My that is what he said, right? I'm yeah, yeah. There's my African-American. So look at him. Yeah. Look at him. Yes. He said. Oh, my God. <laughs> I just, I, I cannot believe that these people who have been speaking in, in the public eye for so long still say such stupid things right. that are, you know, he has to believe this. He has to believe that this is a good point because yeah. he sees the tweets. He sees the negative reporting about what a turdy is. He watches the SNL skits. And I guess they portray him as the brains and the other one is wearing like a (laughs) Adora backpack. He's the smart one of the two. Yeah, but still, he has has been criticized enough to be somewhat cautious going into something. I think they live in a Trump bubble, Yeah, I don't know. I think it's it's beyond I don't understand how someone can be in the public eye and and receive so much criticism and still be so dumb and not be molded by that criticism. (laughs) Well, look, the same criticism could be made of the entire Trump administration right now. Yeah. That they're not learning from their mistakes. It's the classic stupid behavior of repeating your mistakes over and over. Uh, Rob Porter has now resigned from the administration after it has been revealed by two ex-wives that he beat them, and there are photos. And these are very disturbing allegations against a senior aide to President Trump 
uh, Rob Porter and uh, Oval Office presence and thought to be in the rise in the, the Trump administration, abruptly resigning today after two of his ex-wives accused him of years of domestic abuse. CNN interviewed both ex-wives today. And let me just walk you through what they told me. The first ex-wife, Colby Holderness, married Porter in 2003. She tells me there was constant emotional and verbal abuse and that the physical abuse began almost immediately after their wedding. During their honeymoon in 2003, Holderness says that Porter kicked her thigh during a fight and for years she says he choked her and would throw her on the bed, put his body weight on her, yell and grind his elbow or knee into her body. Then in the summer of 2005, Holderness says the couple was in Florence and that Porter punched her in the face. She shared photos from that alleged incident with CNN. You can see the bruise on her face. She said this was the only time where she can remember Porter actually leaving a physical mark on her body. And Porter has denied these allegations, which we'll get into uh, a little bit later. Now, Jennifer uh, Willoughby, this is the second ex-wife who married Porter in 2009, 2009 rather, told CNN that she also endured deep emotional abuse from her ex-husband. There was an incident in 2010, for example, when Willoughby said Porter punched a glass surface on their front door and eventually the police got involved. And she says the police encouraged her to take out a protective order against him. And CNN has obtained and reviewed a copy of that order. And then in the December of 2010, Willoughby says that she and Porter had a fight and she went to take a shower and she tells me that he grabbed her from the shower by her shoulder, making her feel very frightened. So Porter is resigning, but he he had a statement uh, about uh, these accusations and the White House seems to be defending him. That's right. Uh, Well, first of all, Porter says that these allegations are simply false. Here's a statement that he released earlier today. Quote, these outrageous allegations are simply false. I took the photos given to the media nearly 15 years ago, and the reality behind them is nowhere close to what is being described. I have been transparent and truthful about these vile claims, but I will not further engage publicly with a coordinated smear campaign. Now, I should note, Jake, that Holderness acknowledges that it was, in fact, Porter who took these photos of her bruised face. She says she made him take the photos in contrition, but she says she absolutely stands by her allegations. And in terms of the fallout at the White House right now, we are told that Porter resigned over the objections of White House Chief of Staff John Kelly. Now, Kelly said in a statement that Porter is, quote, a man of true integrity and honor, and I can't say enough good things about him. And two things worth keeping in mind, Jake, too, uh, as we learn more about the story, is that one, Porter is a top aide inside the White House who had uh, consistent contact with President Trump himself. And two, we are told by several sources that Porter has been dating White House Communications Director Hope Hicks, one of the most influential aides in the West Wing. And you're told about the ex-wife speaking to the FBI. That's right. Uh, both of the ex-wives actually tell me that they were interviewed by the FBI regarding Porter's security clearance. And both Holderness and Killaby tell me that they were honest with the FBI when they were being interviewed about their troubled marriages to Porter and basically shared with them, shared with the FBI details of the abuses that they say they suffered from Porter. And notably, Jake, a source tells my colleague Jim Acosta that Porter ran into trouble obtaining a security clearance because one of his ex-wives raised the issue of domestic violence with the investigators. And and uh, just to underline this, that means that the White House knew about this uh, because uh, the FBI interviewed the ex-wives on behalf of Porter, on behalf of the, the White House. You would assume so. We don't know right now to what extent, but you can safely assume, I think, that the White House would have been aware of these issues having been raised to the FBI.
So this has been a quick turnaround. Yeah. Sarah Huckabee Sanders did the press briefing on Wednesday and was still being antagonistic of the press, you know, doing what she does. And he denies this. He denies. Right. This. She read his statement, which said, quote, these outrageous allegations are simply false. I've been transparent and truthful about these vile claims, but I will not further engage publicly with a coordinated spear campaign smear campaign. She read that. From the podium. Right. And then said. Incredulously. And then said, quote, I can tell you that Rob has been effective in his role as staff secretary and the president and chief of staff have full confidence and trust in his abilities and performance. Uh, someone asked her why the president would allow him to resign if the allegations are false. Right. Yeah. And she said, quote, I think it was a personal decision that Rob made and one that he was not pressured to do. Mm, sure. Right. So and John he, Kelly called him true integrity and a man of honor. Right. So Sarah Huckabee Sanders, there was an issue with the press briefing today. Jim Acosta was tweeting that they were late. They like hours late. Yeah. They announced a certain time and then they were late. They changed it to a new time and then they were like an hour late after that time. And Sarah Huckabee Sanders didn't come out. That's right. On Thursday. Rod Shaw did. Right. And he actually said we could have done a better job handling this, which was shocking. Yeah. Well, it's that's not what she would have said. She would have never said that. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Yeah. I'm shocked that they chose not to send her out. Although the reason I think they did that is because on Wednesday, she was flustered. They were asking her wait a minute, have you seen the photos yeah. of the bruised face? And she said, I, I don't, I think she said, I haven't seen photos. And, and they said, have you talked to the president about these photos? These photos have been released. And she said that she hasn't talked to the president about the photos. And they were, they were like, what? you haven't talked to the president about these photos that have been released. And she was just denying it. And it's not like a red mark on, on someone's face. This is full on swollen black eye right. where he doubled up his fist and punched her right in her face. Yes, and I'm not sure of the bell. I'm not sure about that. It was going to be fucking face. Okay. <laughs> and the bell thing might not be working out. Yeah, very well. I don't think it's working. But anyway, the point is they made a mistake. And I want Sarah Huckabee Sanders to come out someday. <laughs> and I want to hear it from her mouth. Yeah. Because she was the one up there on Wednesday defending this until. Whatever changed, again, we didn't get answers about that either because Raj came out today and said it was so shocking. And people said, well, what what is so shocking? What changed? Yeah, what exactly changed it's your 12 mind? 12 hours later, dude. Yeah. And we're not going to go into specifics about who knew what, when, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, as the general uh, policy here, we don't talk about security clearances is what he was talking about. Right. Which is another very big issue is he was running on an interim security clearance because... He didn't have a full top secret clearance that you need to work at that level of government, just like Jared Kushner still doesn't have a security clearance. That's a problem. By the way, as a side note, uh, Rob Porter either is currently a Mormon or he for sure was a former Mormon. Yeah. Which is also why Orrin Hatch has been praising him up Mm. until now, I'm sure. He's also singing a different tune. But there are reports that the Mormon church was not helpful to these women. One of them. I don't know. That's not Um, shocking. That she went to church officials and said what was happening. And they said, well, he has career ambitions. So he punches her face in? 
Ugh. So divorce. So divorce was not recommended. Yeah. Disgusting. You have to sit there and suffer abuse. Well, this is the problem with the administration. This next clip, got a couple more, but this next clip is JTAP talking to a panel of women, one of which used to work for Ted Cruz, Amanda Carpenter, a conservative. And she, I think, is the most bothered by this. She was viscerally angry, like shaking with anger. It's it's a, a wonderful exchange and we should all feel the way amanda carpenter who finishes the clip feels jen Psaki, former white house communications director under president obama now my layman's understanding of this is that there's a background check done by the fbi it's fairly extensive they talk to your neighbors former boyfriends and girlfriends and spouses and friends and parents and everyone um and then they give the findings to the chief of staff, the White House counsel, and the security guy, which is the official title is deputy chief of staff for, for operations. Is that right? That's right, Jake. But there's a lot of gray area here because I think some unanswered questions, which Raj Shah may not be in a position to answer, are at what point did the FBI know? Typically, an initial background check is not that lengthy. It takes long to get a security clearance, which is what they keep referring back to. But there were a number of, of White House staffers who were uh, kicked out of their jobs last February, February of 2017, for not passing the background check. And my recollection is that there were certain standards or certain bars you had to pass even to get into the White House, even at more junior levels. So, for example, people who had smoked marijuana in the past, um, that was something, even if you're a press assistant, you have to explain that and make sure that it's something that there's a waiver on. So it's a little perplexing why this has taken over a year and why this wasn't known earlier. Um, and I'm not sure they've answered those adequately at this point. And the two ex-wives, Abby, said... That they both of them talked to the FBI and were honest and forthright about the domestic abuse and the relationships that they they had with Rob Porter. Right. I think it is still unknown if the FBI found out about those things, if they would have briefed people within the White House prior to the completion of some kind of investigation into their background. And if they did, uh, at what point did that happen? I think we should also point out that when Raj Shah said that John Kelly was not fully aware of the allegations, he used the word fully, which is an a qualifier that's doing fully. a lot of work there. We don't know what fully means, but uh, our reporting says that he knew some of, some of this, at least in the fall of last year. And if, if any of that included uh, allegations of domestic abuse, uh, I would argue that would be a, a major red flag, uh, that it should not take photographs of these women coming out for them to act on it. Uh, and and uh, even as the Daily Mail was reporting this story, they came to the White House and presented the allegations uh, to them. And yet still, the White House put out a, a raft of statements defending Rob Porter. Oh, saying not, he had the highest and character and integrity. The yeah. allegations at all. I think that somebody did ask Rashan, we'll, we'll ask my team uh, in the control room to get this bite. I think somebody said, what do you mean by he was he didn't That's fully right. know? And I think Rashan said, uh, he referred to the visual evidence, meaning That's he right. hadn't seen the photograph of, I believe, the first ex-wife uh, with a black eye. Amanda Carpenter, you are also a former communications director um, can you think of a way where they, the White House could have handled this worse? The bottom line is this, is that they protected an abuser. And guess what is the job qualification to work in this White House? It's to protect someone who talked favorably about sexual assault on the Access Hollywood tapes. 
That is a job qualification in this White House. There is a pattern of behavior. They kept Corey Lewandowski on staff as a campaign manager after he bruised a reporter. Michelle Fields. Yeah. Yes. This is the same president who laughs along with Howard Stern when he says disgusting things about his daughter. I don't know how the people in the White House let this man date Hope Hicks. Get alone in a car with him. Rob Porter, you're referring to. Yeah. Yes. Knowing this was in his file. They protect abusers. There's no way of getting around it. And I guess people will say, well, it doesn't matter. You can still be a good president. You can still do your job. No. If you are willing to defend someone who hurts somebody in this fashion, you have no boundaries. You have no restraint. You have no respect for the law. And if you tolerate people who do this to people they say they love, what will they do to the people they don't know? And that's why I think this matters to a normal person. These people don't have restraint, and it is disgusting to watch. My heart is pounding. It's infuriating to see people go to the White House and defend this. That is awesome. Well, they're also, let's put this in context, too. These marriages weren't like 40 years ago or something. They're not digging something up from the past. 2013. Yeah, he divorced. The divorce was finalized from his second wife in 2013. He married his first wife in 2003. And married his second wife in 2009. Right. So this is not a long time ago. So that We were all adults. That couldn't be launched as a defense. That couldn't be used as a defense, right? Um, I don't know if they were trying to make that defense, but <laughs> from my perspective, this guy is however old he is. I don't yeah. know his age. And... He looks like he's 30s. Was... Just uh, just out of this relationship, five years. Yeah. So pretty recent to be punching your wife in the face. Uh, I don't know how fast the rehabilitation occurs. And then from trying that. to coax her and convince her, right. cajole her right. to reword the language in the blog that she wrote, right. which explained the abuse. Yeah. And so I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking. You know, and I, I'm just so frustrated and I, I don't understand everything Amanda Carpenter said is correct. What do we expect? This is a culture of victimizing women, not caring about women. And that, I, that is a perfect segue to this last clip. Yeah. This well, great. administration, more, more uplifting things. This administration has the administration itself, the campaign, and going further back into Donald Trump's life is a series of allegations of abuse and maltreatment. It can't be overlooked. In 2016, in Jupiter, Florida, following then candidate Donald Trump's press conference, a bizarre altercation caught on tape. I can't believe you just did that. That was so hard. Oh my, was that boring? That's then Breitbart reporter Michelle Fields claiming Trump's campaign manager at the time, Corey Lewandowski, had grabbed her tightly by the arm and yanked her down. Lewandowski denied it ever happened, calling the reporter delusional on Twitter. Despite several angles of video showing the incident, then-candidate Trump also insisted the reporter fabricated the whole ordeal. Everybody said nothing happened. Perhaps she made the story up. I think that's what happened, okay? In the end, Jupiter, Florida police charged Lewandowski with simple battery, a misdemeanor. But those charges were later dropped. 
Trump's pick for Labor Secretary Andy Puzder withdrew his name in part after claims of spousal abuse came to light. The fast food executive's ex-wife had aired the couple's dirty laundry on The Oprah Winfrey Show while in disguise. Once I made that break and once I made it public, and remember my ex-husband was a public figure, everyone knew him and knew what he was doing, and once I made that public, he, he vowed revenge. He said, I will see you in the gutter. This will never be over. You will pay for this. Later, Puzder's wife sent a letter to the senators, calling her ex-husband a kind man, saying he was not abusive. Mr. Puzder denied it all. The man Trump chose to be his chief strategist, Steve Bannon, also once faced charges for misdemeanor domestic violence, as Politico first reported. A Santa Monica, California police report from January 1996 detailed an altercation between Bannon and his then spouse that left her with red marks on her left wrist and the right side of her neck. The report also said the woman complained of soreness to her neck. The responding police officer described the woman's eyes as red and watery, saying she appeared to have been crying. A spokesperson for Bannon told Politico that Bannon had a great relationship with both his ex-wife and their twin daughters. The case was later dismissed. And the president himself had also once faced accusations of domestic abuse. His first wife, Ivana, alleged in a divorce deposition that Donald Trump had raped her back in 1989. The accusation was first revealed in a 1993 book about Trump, written by a former Newsweek reporter. Just before publication, Ivana composed a statement for the book saying, I felt violated as the love and tenderness which he normally exhibited towards me was absent. I referred to this as a rape, but I do not want my words to be interpreted in a literal or criminal sense. After Trump announced his run for the White House, Ivana said, The story is totally without merit. Donald and I are the best of friends. Donald Trump has always denied the allegations. Right. So not only was this not like something that the media is trying to dig up about this guy to sabotage him, right? This is a pattern of behavior with many different people that Donald Trump chooses to associate with and provide a job in the White House. Yeah. Um, that That's alarming. Well, it seems like it's either a prerequisite to be an abusive jerk off or... They're just really in the habit and they enjoy looking the other way on allegations like this. Yeah, and I haven't really seen a lot of the conservative reaction to this Rob Porter story. I don't know if people just aren't talking about it or if I'm not saying it. Typically, I see yeah. some sort of conservative reaction to it. So that's why I'm trying to... Hadn't there been photos, I think you'd see a lot more. A lot more defense. You're yeah, saying? because well, he just he denied it, just right. like with the Donald Trump stuff, right? Roy Moore stuff. All oh, he denied it. Mm-hmm. That's the difference between him and and Al Franken. Al Franken admitted it. These guys denied it. So I gotta I gotta stick with the man, right? Ugh. Well, and so that's what I'm saying. I wonder if people are trying to defend this. If they are, what are they saying? And from my perspective. I don't know what they can say to defend it. Yeah. That's why when Raj came out today and said, we should have handled this better. Yes. That is an understatement. That is a great way to leave it. It's the asshole of today. 
Gloria Copeland. Gloria Copeland. Now, wife of Kenneth Copeland, if you're that flavor of Christian, the evangelical, charismatic type. Mm. She believes that you, in order to deal with the flu, well, there's no such thing as a flu season, but in order to deal with the flu, um, you just need to inoculate yourself with Jesus. Well, listen, partners, we don't have a <laughs> flu season. We've got a duck season, a deer season, but we don't have a flu season. And don't receive it when somebody threatens you with everybody's getting the flu. We've already had our shot. He bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases. That's what we stand on. And by his stripes, we were healed. If you've already got the flu, I'm going to pray for you right now. Father, I pray for every person that has symptoms of flu. I'm asking you, Lord, by your supernatural power to heal them now from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. Flu, I bind you off of the people in the name of Jesus. Jesus himself gave us the flu shot. He redeemed us from the curse of flu. And we receive it and we take it and we are healed by his stripes. Amen. You know, the Bible says he himself bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases. And by his stripes, we were healed. When we were healed, we are healed. So get on the word, stay on the word. And if, if you say, well, I don't have any symptoms of the flu. Well, great. That's the way it's supposed to be. Just keep saying that I'll never have the flu. I'll never have the flu. Put <laughs> words. Inoculate yourself with the word of God. Oh. He himself bore my sicknesses, carried my diseases. Mm. And by his stripes, I was healed. Mm. I am healed. And Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. So was she sucking on a cough drop that whole time? Does she have the flu? <laughs> I think that she might be projecting a little this bit. This is a pernicious belief system that you're convincing vulnerable. Listen, anybody who's watching this show to receive. Yeah, what's the age? Well, they're vulnerable just because they're watching the show anyway. They don't have it all together. So you're convincing them that they don't need a flu shot, which intimates that if they do get a, a, a flu shot, then they lack faith because they should be leaning on Jesus to heal them. By his stripes, we are healed, y'all. It is a pernicious, dangerous attitude, an idea. And I'm sure within five minutes, she was also asking for money. Her and her charlatan husband, Kenneth Copeland. Mm -hmm. This is the flavor of Christian I was. Mm-hmm. Again, it's... Did you inoculate yourself with Jesus? There's some sexual I know, that's undertone why, that's why I'm asking. <laughs> I was never inoculated by Jesus. So, this is... I just, I have many questions. Does this also apply to other illnesses? Yes. Or is it only the flu? Okay, so this also applies to cancer? Why would it not? Mm -hmm. And so that uh, she's reading from the Bible to as evidence for this. Mm -hmm. And I guess I'm just wondering which illnesses... If you're looking for logic, it's not, you're not going to find any. Mm. It's superstition. Mm -hmm. She's using it to... to when well, she says partners, she doesn't mean like, <laughs> howdy, partner. She means partners, the people who pay her. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I understand that. But 
so what do you think the the age is the median age of people who are watching this program program uh, 65 what do you think the age range is what do you think the youngest person that's probably watching is this on during the day 55 i don't even know what channel they're on okay let's say 55 to 85 okay so older people by the way, Pat Robinson had a stroke, everybody. He did. Yeah. And he's alive. And so Hopefully not for long. So these older people are fuck watching. That guy. I know everybody's gonna say I know everybody's gonna say that that's a bummer. You shouldn't whiff death on death on somebody. But he is a danger to our society. He is a menace. So and he should be gone. So older people are, are watching this, and those are the people who die from the flu. Elder, that is right. Elderly yeah. people. Vulnerable population health wise. Yeah. So yeah. that's what is she trying to do? Doesn't she want to get paid? I don't understand. It seems good for her business for uh, the bottom line to n- not be telling people that she didn't exactly seem like a genius mm-hmm. and with that we're gonna leave you we love you guys we appreciate you listen we would love your support to have you help us produce the show to have you help us distribute the content moving the conversation forward on an episode by episode basis if you would like to join our patreon family go to dollamore.com patreon you can also shop on Amazon through dollamore.com slash Amazon. That is a link that will redirect you to Amazon where you can buy all of the things you were going to buy anyway. It doesn't cost you any more. And if you're going to spend your money there, you might as well help your favorite show filled with news News. and ridiculous comment. We'd love to hear from you. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email us a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. We'll see you Sunday for the live stream if you're a Patreon person. We love you. We appreciate you. And we'll see you next time. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. The Secret Society.